this is your first time hearing the show, I'd recommend starting at episode one. A lot has happened since then. On the last episode of Pregnant Pause, Shira was pregnant. And then she wasn't. She had a ruptured ectopic pregnancy. When the fertilized egg implants outside of their uterus. The egg ruptured in Shira's fallopian tube, causing her to bleed in her abdomen. She lost the pregnancy, and then to stop the bleeding, she was rushed into emergency surgery. This is one day later. Is it turning? Once you turn, is it better? Oh. Oh. Actually, at four o'clock, you can take more medicine. Oh, which one? Uh, Motrin. And Motrin's not fucking helping me. Nothing's helping me. In case you missed that, she said, that Motrin's not fucking helping me. Nothing's helping me. We were angry and sad. We were both mourning the loss of the pregnancy. But Shira was the pregnant one. Shira felt that horrible abdominal pain. Shira was rushed into emergency surgery. Shira lost her fallopian tube. And after the surgery, Shira was the one in all that physical pain, not me. I wanted to let her take as much time as she needed to recover and to grieve. So for those first few days after the surgery, I was just kind of waiting for her to set the tone around the house. And then, three days later, I knew we were going to be okay when I heard Shira making up a song. Here's what she came up with. I just lost my tube three days ago. Don't think it's coming back. I think it's gone for good. It's called an ectopic. It's kind of hard to say. It means it was in the wrong place. And now I won't see my baby's face. They say it's just one percent. Well... Now that's me. They say we can try again. I guess we'll just wait and see. My ectopic ruptured and I bled into my belly. They had to operate before it was too late. I just lost my tooth. I feel like there was something about you singing that song that signified a transition from reveling to, I don't know, putting it behind you. Because for me, it was like you were saying, we're going to be okay. I don't know if it was putting it behind me, but I think there was, maybe the song signifies just an acceptance. Like, this is what happened. Just got to roll with it, you know? I always say, live a little, love a little, do a little dance. Sure, this is, we're, it's too many songs. <laughs> There's never too many songs. That's the key. That's what the whole song is about. It's like when, when things are not great, just make up a little song and it will be 
just a little better. So you make up this song and it's April of 2016. And Dr. Vistadek tells us to wait a few months before we start trying again. But then once those few months are up, try we do. August. Please be pregnant. One line is pregnant. No lines. Or no, two lines is pregnant. Yeah. One line is not pregnant. we need to see the line. It became all-consuming. So now we have to count 20 seconds. September. (laughs) I just don't get it. One, two, Two, three, four, five, six. We'll try again on Monday. While we were trying, I was covering these newborn calls. She was a doctor, FYI. Which meant that I would just run to every delivery and I'd use my job to be making sure that the baby was okay. And these things were just so triggering because it's just, I was just seeing all these women have babies and I couldn't have my own. October. Digital, digital, not pregnant. Really fucking annoyed. Why don't I see another line? But I guess now I can drink wine. Good. Very nice. The whole process was like debilitating. This is what we call a real not pregnant. This is as one line as it gets. Every month brings us hope, this fixation. And then every month brings disappointment. I mean, it, it definitely affected our relationship. It was, I was upset a lot. What do you feel? Here we are after four straight months of trying unsuccessfully. I feel like it sucks, but like I know it's going to happen at some point. So I don't know. Yeah, I think that's like where this disconnect comes from with us. I like definitely feel that you're sad with me and whatever, but... Different. But different. Sad, sad, but different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty interesting when intellectually... This is something that there's a theme that I've like come across. I may know something intellectually, rationally, but how it affects me emotionally are like they're not congruent. And I know rationally that we will have a baby whatever shape that takes we'll get we'll have a baby and we'll become parents but emotionally in this moment it just as much as I know that intellectually it doesn't affect the way I feel it doesn't like doesn't make you less sad no sure I think that's the difference between me and you like I don't think you can even imagine how much I think about it and you probably never think about it. I don't think about anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like I'm thinking about all this other stuff. Yeah, that's true. No, you are. You what am I thinking about? Radio, a lot. In the podcast. Yeah. Because we've tried for four straight months with no success, she reschedules an appointment with her OBGYN, Dr. Alfieri. She works with Dr. Vistadek, who you met in the last episode. 
since the last time you saw me, I had the ectopic pregnancy. Yes. The ectopic happened at the end of April. Yep. And then Dr. Visadek told me, like, I waited two cycles or something like that, and I now have tried officially for four months. I do ovulation kits every month. And? I'm ovulating. We have sex before, during, after, like... I'm very thorough, and it's not happening. Okay. So my question to you is, what do I do from here? Do I keep on trying? Do I, we do some workup? Like, what, what are the options? What do you recommend? Because I'm getting very frustrated. All good questions. The reality is that you're young, um, and if you had not had the ectopic pregnancy yet... I would say to you, waiting is completely reasonable. Because unless there's been a full year of trying, we can't say anything about infertility. Given that you've had the ectopic, I do have concern about the other tube. Mm -hmm. And is that other tube patent or not? I don't know the answer to that question. Um, since you've been trying for four months and haven't been pregnant, it's a little concerning. It's a little concerning. Mm -hmm. A fertile, normal couple in any month has about a 20% chance of getting pregnant. So theoretically, you might have had an 80% if you just add that up. Mm -hmm. You have 20% every month. So it could have just been that this wasn't your four months and that next month is the magic month for you. But because you've had the ectopic and that tube is now gone, um, the question is how is that other tube functioning? And that's really what we need to know. The concern is, is that possibly maybe my other tube is blocked. And maybe there was just something anatomically wrong with my tubes, and that's why I had the first ectopic. We don't know. So we do this hysterosilpinogram, also called an HSG, where they kind of shoot up dye through your cervix, through your uterus, and up through your tube to see if it's blocked. And they wait to see if it, like, spills into the pelvis to see if it's actually blocked and if it's they wait wait they they're trying to see if the if the fluid the if the dye that they're shooting up spills out into the into uh -huh. the pelvis and yeah. if and if it spills out that means that the tube is okay that it's not blocked correct and if it is blocked then it wouldn't spill out right correct and so we want it to spill out correct so i do the test on a tuesday and on Wednesday, she tells me that there was no dye seen in the pelvis. It didn't spill. Which is to say that your remaining fallopian tube is closed. What it means is most likely it's closed. not expecting that I thought like okay we've paid our dues with this shitty ectopic like you know we're gonna be rewarded with a regular pregnancy you know it's sad through this whole time of us trying there was a part of it that I never could picture myself pregnant that wasn't an image I, I, I could see 
With IVF, you'll, there's still a pregnancy. I mean, there's, that's a 50 to 60% chance of taking. Makes me hate this podcast. Mm. But hopefully someone will hear this who's going to do the same thing and feel comforted by it. Does make me better. <laughs> it does or it doesn't? Does not. You can call me an asshole, but... What do you... What are Wait, you... does this mean we'd never have to use birth control again? Yeah. It's basically... <laughs> I have my tubes tied. <laughs> you got your tubes tied. I don't want my tubes tied. They're not actually tied. I know. One of them's missing. <laughs> and one of them's closed. I don't have, have any tubes that actually work. I'm gonna have to get in vitro. It's actually kind of neat. Zach's gonna jizz in a cup. <laughs> and make his dream come true. Zach, why do you want to jizz in a cup so bad? I don't know. I always saw it in movies. As soon as we find out your other tube is closed, we immediately jump into let's do IVF before really considering maybe we should adopt, which is something that we've talked about theoretically in the last couple of years. Like, why wouldn't we adopt? There's We adopted our dog. Our dog was a rescue. There are plenty of kids. Who could use a loving home? Why do we have to have our own? Yeah, I like strongly believe in adoption, and me and you really have discussed possibly doing it. Um, and like for so many of the reasons that we talked about already in the podcast, in particular climate change, that's like a really kind of good solution to wanting to have kids and also dealing with the issue of climate change and all that stuff because these kids already exist but I really want to carry like our baby like I really want to have raise a child that's our mixed DNA like there's something that sounds really fun to me about children little Zach's and Shira's running around and like when I think about us entering the phase of parenthood like I want at least the first baby to be like ours biologically and I I acknowledge that there's problematic stuff in that and maybe I'm not proud of that but that is really what I feel yeah when I'm being honest with myself too that does sound more appealing the biological route at least for now I am in the bathroom at my local coffee shop the barista just asked me how I was doing and I just broke down in tears and just told her how sad I was about the IVF thing and I'm just realizing how much I want this baby let me see, is there anyone in here? no since we found out that we're going to have to do IVF I've been looking at kids and babies and young people differently. I've been looking at them with this kind of feeling that I think Shira has described before. She wants the opportunity to love a baby. And that's 
the way I've been looking at kids since last week. I just hope that we get that opportunity. I mean, I broke down in tears in front of a, not a stranger, but like someone who knows nothing about our personal life. Which is a re like, why am I keeping all this from you? Like, why am I, I think I get into this position of wanting to be like the, you know, the rock, like the stable person. The together guy. Yeah, it's, it's dumb because then I'm just kind of, I'm taking my emotion and distributing it to strangers. And I should just let it all hang out with you. You don't want that, right? You don't want me just to be the... No, I hate emotionless act. It makes me feel alone. Yeah. And it just, like, fulfills this, like, classic, oh, she's the crazy one. She's so emotional. So now we get into a phase of well, you get into a phase of researching everything you possibly can about IVF. Like, you become a professor of IVF, and you're pissed at me for not doing my own research. Yeah, totally. So annoying. So basically, my insurance doesn't cover anything for IVF, so I'm trying to figure out, like, there's a whole component of figuring out just the procedure, like I'm calling all these women about the egg retrieval, implantation, freezing the embryos, like all this. And then there's a whole component, this financial component, because it's around like $20,000 here. And then I'm like, okay, well, you know, maybe we could do it in Israel. Israel has this like amazing, they have one, they have like among the best IVF physicians there. And it's significantly cheaper. And like, I'm waking up early, like at 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning just to get a hold of Israel for like the time difference. And you're doing nothing. You're not even Googling. And I'm a bad Googler. <laughs> but you're a doctor. I feel like you know what's going on. But Zach, everybody, like everybody who's doing IVF, most people are not doctors and they're figuring it out. Yeah, it's like my project, not your project, not our project. Right. I'm sorry about that. Boo, Zach. Boo. <laughs> After all the research that I did on my own, um, we decide to do it in the States and fork out the money. With help, thank God, from our parents. I don't know what people do who don't come from privilege. I, I don't know. I mean, certain states cover IVF. Um, some people even move to those states to get IVF. But we settle on a doctor in Warren, Michigan, which is not far from where we live in Detroit. The leading up to that appointment, we go with our friends to this like Indian home cooking class. And during the class, I'm kneeling over in pain. And the pain is similar to like the ectopic pain, but just just not as severe. And it's on the left side. 
and my ectopic was on the right side. So I had my right tube removed, and now I'm having similar pain. Not as bad at all, but the same type of pain. On the opposite side. Yeah. But it, like, kind of subsides. And so that week we go to the IVF consultation. And I just, I'm telling her, like, I've been having this intermittent left-sided abdominal pain. And then she even actually does a pelvic exam, and I'm having pain during the exam. And she's like, oh, like, let's do a a blood pregnancy test. And it's going to be like two hours or something until it comes back. And while we're waiting for your pregnancy test to come back, uh, we just continue with the IVF consultation. We schedule a date for them to retrieve your eggs. We sign off on, like, we get all the pricing. We get brochures. We're ready to go. And we're actually sitting in the room where we talk about finances. And it's just uh, you and I. And I hear from down the hall the nurse who took my blood say, she's pregnant. And I turn to you and I'm like, if I'm pregnant, I'm having another fucking ectopic. So she actually has an ultrasound tech, and the ultrasound tech takes me back. They don't see anything, because it's like early. They don't see anything in the uterus, they don't see anything in the fallopian tube. And it's just now awaiting it. So we can't be excited about the pregnancy, because you're feeling this abdominal pain, and you're pretty sure you're having another ectopic. But we have to wait a week for you to get the ultrasound. Saturday, December 17th. I'm laying on the couch with Zach and Rumi. And I keep on getting bouts of pain. I'm in pain right now. But there's nothing to do yet because it's just too early. So I just have to sit here. Know that I'm pregnant with it most likely being not viable and anticipating that we're going to lose another pregnancy. Life throws you lemons and you get ectopic pregnancies, you know? Especially if you're Shirsky. Right, see? So finally we make it to the ultrasound day. And actually the ultrasound tech doesn't let me in the room. She makes me wait in the waiting room. So I'm sitting in this ultrasound and I'm just like begging her, can you tell me if it's where it is? What are you seeing? Because the ultrasound tech isn't a doctor, she's not supposed to tell you what she's seeing. Yeah, it's a load of baloney. And I even told her, I'm like, lady, I'm not going to tell on you. Just like I've been literally agonizing, worrying, like, I think I'm having an ectopic. Can you please just tell me where this embryo is? She was getting riled up. And anyway, she's like, one second. I'm sitting there. Zach's not there. I'm just naked waiting for this lady to come back and tell me that, like, I'm about to be sent to the ER because I'm about to get my other fucking tube removed. And then she comes back kind of like stone-faced and she's like, you don't need to go to the ER. We spoke to the radiologist, we reviewed the images, you are pregnant and the embryo's in the uterus. Oh my God. I'm pregnant. 
And it's in the what? uterus and it's not in the bad place. Oh my God. <laughs> so, hopefully we're having a baby, but five billion things can go wrong also. But for the first step, we got the first step. We got into the right place. And so, oh my God. No, but she's like, yeah, so that HSG test that told us Shira's remaining tube was closed, it was wrong, which apparently happens with that test sometimes, thank God. But Shira's still just five and a half weeks pregnant, and we still need to make sure that there's a fetal heartbeat, and we won't know that for a few weeks. And so until I see that heartbeat, I'm just worried, 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 worried. A couple days before the fetal ultrasound, I call out my buddy John. Yeah, yeah. Can you hear me? He and his partner Alexis had a baby last year. You know, I'm just bracing myself for another bad thing to happen. But I don't want to... Like, what's the point of me just, like, reveling in that anxiety of... Is there going to be a heartbeat? Is there? Is there not? How did you deal with that when Alexis was pregnant? Like, not thinking to the worst case scenario. <laughs> uh... <laughs> it's so hard not to uh, for me at least it was very very hard not to every appointment was a possibility of hearing something crushing and you know you've I feel like what you've experienced in the last year or so has been a trauma you know and like you know, you, you, you have the, like, uh, I don't want that again, whereas I just had, like, I don't want this good thing to be, to disappear. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's quite hard not to um, do that. I mean, one, I remember thinking early on this feeling, or this, this thought that was helpful for me, which was, like, you're never going to be in control of this situation you don't have control over whether the baby survives and you don't have control over what your kid is like when they're born I mean you obviously like with everything like you can eat right and not drink during pregnancy and you can be as good of a parent as you know how to be and you you know you can trust yourself to rise to whatever occasion you know presents itself however we were always a nervous wreck and it, you think it gets easier. You think like, Oh, okay. Once we get to the 20 week appointment, then we're good. Yeah. You know, not like now, what am I worried about? Are we, you know, I'm not worried today about this, but in the last two weeks I've been like, is he developing socially? Right. I think that's a pretty high bar though to, to have for yourself that you wouldn't be worried. The worrying is inevitable. You think a little bit. Yeah. Like, it's hard. It's all hard. You know, it's it's just, it's like the ultimate example of, like, wanting something and wondering if you're going to get it. Like, in a in a deep way, not in a, in a superficial way. For sure. I do know that I really, like, I, I get really excited thinking about a baby and thinking about a child now. Like, now that we know that Shira's pregnant, I get really excited just thinking about like I was dancing in my office today. I just and I was like, "Oh my god, it's going to be so fun to dance with a with a kid." It's just like you start that story in your head, you know. And once you start the story, you're invested in the story, you know. But 
<laughs> you know, maybe your kid like won't like dancing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or like, uh, right? I pick Shira up from work to take her to the ultrasound. She's eight weeks pregnant. We are trying to play it cool, but I know we're both very nervous. We get into the room. It's a nice cozy room. Dr. Alfieri rubs the jelly on Shira's belly and sticks like the probe thing on there. And then we see an image come up on the screen. Suzanne embryo? Yeah, with a heart beating. Oh, cool! Congrats. This movement right there? That is nothing but a heartbeat. Isn't that great? That's oh, a heartbeat. Yay. Oh my god. Congrats. Oh, that's exciting. It's beating perfectly. <laughs> How lucky. Blessing. <laughs> Biggest blessing. Just normal. And that's why we're naming our baby Blessing. <laughs> no, the name we've actually already decided on is... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it, friends. That wraps up episode eight of Pregnant Pause with Zach and Shira. As of May 5th, 2017, Shira is 24 weeks pregnant. We're expecting in August. She's doing great, though she did puke this morning. I want to thank everyone we interviewed over the course of the last eight episodes. Your willingness to let me in was the inspiration for this show. I want to thank my family and friends, especially the Minglers, for being the wise sounding boards you are. And lastly, I want to thank Shira. Without you, this show and my life would be unrealized, rudderless, and so much less fun. You let me record your urine stream. You described your heartbreak and your vaginal discharge on the record. You opened me up like only you could. You are the heart and soul of Pregnant Pause. I love you more than anything. At least for now, there will be no new episodes of Pregnant Pause. It takes me 50 to 100 hours to make each episode of this show. And as you now know, I got kids to feed. So I need to figure out a way to make some money. But don't delete your feeds. We might be back at some point. Pregnant pause is a labor of love. Thank you so much for your messages and your feedback throughout the show's run. If I haven't yet, I promise to respond personally to all your emails. If our little show has touched you in any way, please consider sharing it with the people you love. Also, if you can, please leave us a review in the Apple Podcast app. We live at pregnantpausepodcast.com. Use that link to like, share, tweet, etc. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at MuseZachary. That's M-U-Z-A-C-H-A-R-Y. There's also a form at the bottom of our webpage to sign up for our newsletter. If you do that, you'll be the first to know about any Pregnant Pause updates. I'll also update you on other projects I'm working on, and I'll recommend some of my favorite podcasts. 
Our show is produced and edited by me and Shira. We had production help from Max Linsky, Jenna Weiss-Berman, Henry Malofsky, and Josh Gwynn at Pineapple Street Media. Kira Denham is our graphic designer. Thank you, Jelly, and the rest of Team Poke. This podcast would be nothing without the amazing music I've been able to use. Our theme song comes from the film Rocket Science. That song and a bunch of other music for this show is by Eve Barsley. Find him at Bandcamp and look out for him in a city near you. I also owe a very, very special thanks to Michigan's own Ghostly Songs. Their music library is a treasure. Thank you so much for listening to Pregnant Pause. Don't you bring us down